Right, welcome to episode 2 of Healing with Gabe, where we talk about how you can heal your nervous system to live out of Firefly, reflections I have for the week, and answering questions from you guys. Okay, let's go. Cool. If your body is in fight or flight, why are you choosing or trying to let your mind get you out of fight or flight when it is your mind that put your body into fight or flight? Let's go deeper on that. I'm not saying positive affirmations and shouting, I am healthy, I am worthy of love to yourself in the mirror every morning isn't helpful, okay? That can be very helpful. But the thing is, do you really believe it when you say it? Do you really feel healthy? Do you really feel like you're worthy of love? Because if you don't, then you're just lying to yourself. So the only reason you crave anything in this life is because of the feeling you think it will give you. But just this is just a friendly reminder that you can have that feeling now. You can choose to feel that way now. It is your higher self that deserves that feeling, and you can choose to be your higher self now. Your body is talking to you. Are you listening? When your body is in fight or flight, your body is speaking to you. Are you listening? When you feel anxious or angry or any sort of negative emotion, your body is speaking to you. Your emotions are speaking to you. And a lot of us, myself included, We have the tendency to ignore it. We have the tendency to push it away. It's like... It's like um, water trying to rush in through a closed door. And the water's still rushing in through the gaps and you're just trying to block the water. And it's not working. Okay, that's a terrible analogy. I will get better at analogies. Um, Okay, I'll tell you a story to try and uh, make you help you guys visualize it. So last night, uh, I was at a pub playing pool with a few friends. The bar wasn't that busy, only around 10 people. There was bass guitar playing in the background, it's live music. Ignore my stomach, I have not ate yet. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> okay, so if you're a person that doesn't like big crowds or you get socially anxious when there's a lot of people, I can relate, okay? So the bar wasn't that busy and I was with my friends. We're all enjoying a pint, we're all having a good time. You know, playing pool, getting a few balls in, playing snooker, it's all going grand. Then all of a sudden, right, the bar starts getting busier. More and more people walk in through the door. All of a sudden, there's now 30 to 50 people in the room. And it's kind of getting quiet. And if you get socially anxious, you know what I'm talking about. You start feeling everyone's eyes in the room looking at you. You feel your neck getting tighter. You feel your heart rate increase. Your breath becomes more rapid and shallow. All of a sudden, your mind starts spinning these anxious thoughts. Did you really have to wear green cargos today? You look really stupid. Everyone's definitely thinking you look stupid. And these thoughts bounce off your head and make you feel more and more uneasy. Your friend even looks at you and says, Dude, are you you okay? You uh, nervously say, Yeah, yeah. I'm fine. But you know you're not. So how did I become so anxious in a matter of minutes, putting my body into fight or flight? But what is the solution? So I just paused, took a deep breath, and noticed my breath as it is, down in my belly, 
without trying to control the breath. I let the anxious thoughts come. I let the anxiety and the negative sensation of being fight or flight be there without judgment. That's the most important part. You gotta not judge the anxiety. You gotta not judge the feeling you get. And within a matter of moments, my nervous system calmed down. My heart rate slowed. My body tension eased up. My breath slowed. Without me trying to do you know, Wim Hof or breathing technique right in the middle of the bar, I just calmed down because I listened to my body. By the way, guys, subscribe to my newsletter because I've been going to be sending out weekly tips and reflections of how you can live out of fight or flight for good. Okay, a few questions I got from you guys. How long was I living in fight or flight? And a lot of you guys have been living in fight or flight for years and I can relate. I have been living in fight or flight for as long as I can remember. In fact, I didn't know living out of fight or flight was normal. I just thought, oh, being in fight or flight was the norm. Having crippling anxiety was the norm. Feeling tired and drained all the time was the norm. Another question I got from you guys. Is it possible to heal and get out of fight or flight if I'm still in the marriage that puts me into fight or flight? Now, for a lot of us, you don't have to be married, but it tends to be the people you are living with your family, your friends, whatever person it is, might be a toxic relationship that is putting you into fight or flight. Now, it sounds obvious, but you should get out of that toxic environment. Think of your nervous system health like a seed. If you plant the seed with plenty of sunlight, water it daily, give it healthy soil, it's gonna bear a lot of fruit and grow into a big healthy plant. Now, if you put that same seed in a field with limited sunlight, poor quality soil, and you rarely watered it, is the seed gonna grow to be very big and healthy? Probably not. That's just the way of nature. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but you're making it much more difficult for yourself by staying in a situation where your body associates that environment or those people with being in fight or flight. So if you can, get out so you can grow. But if you can't, because circumstances do not allow for you for the moment, whether that's you don't have enough money or you just don't have anywhere else to live, there are a few things you can do. One, you need to build your capacity to handle stress. So a few of my favorite ways to do this, cold showers, trains your mind to be uncomfortable, trains your mind to tolerate stress, also great for your hair and skin and your dopamine levels. Meditation. Meditation allows you to be aware of negative and positive emotions as well as reconnect with your body. Because when you reconnect with your body, you can notice the tension or the fight or flight hormones and the anxiety in your body. You can be mindful of it instead of disassociating and just staying in fight or flight or freeze. Another thing, exercise. Exercise also trains your body and your mind to tolerate the uncomfortable. Your body will, your mind will give up a million times before your body will. 
Like if you told, held your fist in your hand and you said, open fist, open fist, your fist isn't going to open no matter how many times your mind tells it to open because your body is what actually will allow your fist to open. It's the same with your nervous system and being in fight or flight. If you listen to your body over your mind, you're much less likely to go into fight or flight. In fact, you won't go into fight or flight because your body is only going to go into fight or flight because if it needs to go into fight or flight, as in there's a threat that you need to escape from, you either need to fight or you need to run away, flight. That is the only reason why your body will go into fight or flight. So it's not our bodies and nervous systems that are the problem. It is the way we utilize it. Because in the modern world, the modern stressors, like a text from your ex, a social media post, someone shouting at you in traffic, whatever it is, it puts you into that state of survival mode. And you stay in that survival mode because you don't know how to regulate your nervous system because we don't pay attention to our breath or our body or listen to it. Okay, many ramble over. <laughs> Whenever I feel bored or I feel like my life isn't going anywhere or days just seem repetitive and I just seem drained and everything just seems mundane, I come back to this perspective. Picture this. You are on your deathbed 50 years from now. Your breath is quick and shallow. Your skin is old and wrinkly. Your kids have grown. Their kids have grown. Now all that's left for you to do is die. Every opportunity that you ever had is now gone. You will never live another day and you know it. You feel this overwhelming fear of death. Now all of a sudden, this angel comes into your room and the whole room fills with light. And she gives you one chance, one chance to come back to this day and live it all the way through. Now hold that perspective in your head. Would you let fear and anxiety of the future stress you out? How would you feel about your wife or your kids helping you with something? How would you enjoy the beauty all around? How would you feel the wind on your face, the warmth of the sun on your skin? Would you, would a mere walk outside be the most exhilarating thing? Would uh, eating food be the most enjoyable but yet simple act? You can feel that way every single day because when the time does come for you to die, which it will for all of us, and we do not know when that time is, you will wish you had enjoyed the little things and the every day-to-day -day moments of your life and cherished them. So hold that perspective in your head till the day you die. <laughs> okay, because of the overwhelming productivity and self-development content out there, it gave me a very negative relationship with productivity. As if, if I didn't do something productive, I would feel like I'm not moving forward in my life. Or I'm just, or I would make myself feel so guilty and beat myself up over it. And I, it's just like, oh, you didn't do what you're supposed to do today. You didn't film that video. You didn't edit that video. You didn't write that piece of content. Whatever it is, you would just be like, oh, like your entire day would almost be ruined, right? And I realized this is such a negative relationship with productivity. I should want to do those things despite maybe not having an insane rush of motivation at 3 a.m. to do 100 push-ups and get your life together. I should have the discipline to do that. But because of this fundamental negative relationship I had with productivity, I most times I would end up procrastinating and not making any progress in my life. So here's how I fix that. So I tried to find out my why. 
why am I making these videos? For me, I lived in fight or flight my entire life and I know a lot of people still are. So, and the most important thing I did was learn to meditate and regulate my nervous system. So that is why I want to teach the world how to do. So that is my why. And anytime I feel unmotivated to make a video or edit the video or do anything, I remind myself of my why. And that gives me the discipline to go and do that thing. So what is your why? Why do you wake up every day? Is it for your kids, your family, your partner? You want to make a difference in the world? Might be even for money. Like whatever it is for you that is important enough, motivate yourself to do that. And also give yourself recovery. You don't have to be insanely productive every minute of the day. You are allowed to recover and you're allowed to live. In fact, they find researchers of flow, which is, you know, when you're in the moment and all of experience, you just feel in the moment and you do feel like you're putting in no effort to be productive. You're just watching the pieces of the puzzle come together as you work. It almost feels like play. If you actually exhaust yourself and you work, you know, 12 hour days or whatever it is beyond your capacity, productivity actually decreases. So, yeah. Another thing is be mindful of where you're getting your dopamine from. If you're, if you go on a self, I went on a meditation retreat for seven days. So no phone, no social media, no very highly stimulating stuff, no TV, no Netflix, just my, myself, my thoughts. And I would meditate and walk in nature for seven days. Now, in the beginning, it was uncomfortable because you crave the overstimulation of your phone and the dopamine that it provides. But over time, my dopamine receptors resensitized and I began to find what seemingly mundane things very enjoyable, like taking a walk, like reading a book, just became very stimulating. It's the same with trying to be productive. If you get all of your dope, sometimes when I'm scrolling on TikTok and I'm like, what am I getting my dopamine from? Like, why am I getting my dopamine from this? When your dopamine in your neurochemistry was designed to go and seek things outside of you to help you achieve your goals and actually enjoy hard work. So I put my phone down and I go and do whatever it is I want to spend my dopamine doing, whether that's making content, reading a book, whatever it is. So be mindful of what you're getting your dopamine from. Chi that we talk about, this whole um, like energy, a lot of it is dopamine. How motivated and your ability to move is regulated by your dopamine. And that is why, you know, Parkinson's disease, I think Stephen Hawking had, it was from a lack of dopamine, among other things. A really interesting study, the longest study ever on how human beings can actually be happy and what factors determine their happiness. And the answer is gonna surprise you because it isn't health and it isn't wealth. In fact, it was the quality of your relationships. They find that even if smoking and unhealthy eating was involved, it was outweighed by the quality of your relationships. On a physiological level, your physical health was affected by the quality of your relationships. So that really made me think, like if, if I, if a billionaire was to die, I don't think he would really give a shit if he was worth a hundred million or ten billion. But would he give a shit if his son never talked to him or uh, his wife 
and him had the, a shitty marriage? Probably. So that really made me think, like, what am I giving my value of how I am measuring my life? And what is the quality of my relationship? Who's in my circle? What is my relationship with my family? Now, granted, all relationships can't be healthy despite you being blood-related or you being very close to someone. So in those instances, it might be best to actually have some distance for your own mental health, despite an attachment. If you don't water your own pot, you have nothing else to give to others. Okay, I'm going to get a little personal here. For as long as I can remember in my life, I have tried to distract myself from the moment with coping mechanisms, just like all of us, whether that's with nights out, drinking, girls, social media, whatever it is. It was just to get an escape from my head. It was just to get an escape from my thoughts. And it was only when I discovered that I was not my thoughts and I don't have to listen to each thought because it's not me having those thoughts. It's just appearing in consciousness. And this is what I mean by that. Say you're walking down the park. You smell roses. It smells nice. You walk further along the park. You smell a garbage can. It smells bad. Now, notice the way these smells are good and bad, but you don't hold on to them. Like, say when you smell the rose, you don't keep thinking about the smell of the rose. You don't keep smelling the rose. The smell of the rose isn't yours. And when you smelled a bad smell, like the trash can, the bad smell isn't yours. You don't keep thinking about the bad trash smell. (laughs) The same way these thoughts are not yours. The positive thoughts and the negative thoughts are not yours. And and here's what's really crazy. Once you start noticing your thoughts, your brain becomes quieter. The escape you crave from your thoughts only happens once you start noticing your thoughts. Because if you don't notice your thoughts, where's the awareness of the thoughts? Where's the awareness of your head to be quiet? Your brain will only be quiet if you can notice the silence amongst the thoughts. The silence is always there. You don't have to try to make your brain be quiet. You don't have to try and make the thoughts go away. Just be open to the idea of not pushing it away. Be open to the idea of relaxing and being open to whatever is arising without judgment. If it's really negative, it's so bad and it's hurtful, Let it be there regardless. And if it's positive, great. Let it be there too. Just accept. Radical acceptance will be your liberation. Alan Watts said it best. A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So your thoughts are either about the past or the future. And you keep thinking about that and creating hypothetical scenarios in your head. Or keep reliving the past or alternative scenarios of what could have happened. That's not reality. That's just a figment of your imagination that you think is reality. (laughs) So if you notice these thoughts and these patterns that you have, because usually the thoughts you have today are very similar to the thoughts you had yesterday and the day before. And this is why people say thoughts create your reality, because like Earl Earl Nightingale said, you become what you think about. So what are you thinking about? And most people don't know what they're thinking about because they are not aware of your thoughts, which is why you should meditate. 
<laughs> a really easy trick that you can do to stay grateful throughout the day is remember your death and remember how everything you do throughout your day, there will be a last time you do it. For me, every time I play with my cat Chippy, there's going to be a last time I play with my cat Chippy. Whether that's because she dies or I move away, there's going to be a last time. Every time I hug my mom, there's going to be a last time I hug my mom. Whether that's when she dies or I die, I don't know. But there's going to be a last time. When you listen to your favorite song, there's going to be a last time you hear that favorite song. There's going to be a last time you take a walk. Think about when you were playing as kids, you were playing outside. One day you guys played for the last time. And I bet none of you guys realized that it was the last time. Because time just passed. So enjoy each of those times with you keeping in mind that there will be a last time you do it. Oh no, healing is definitely one of the hardest things I've done. Because sometimes you wake up and you think, oh, I'm healed. I feel great. I don't feel chained to the past. And then literally the next day, you feel like absolute shit. All the emotions and the pain that you thought was gone just comes bubbling to the surface. And it feels like you're going nowhere. And it feels like all your progress is gone. But that's just part of the journey. That's just part of the process. It's not linear. It's not like a staircase where you take one step and the next step and the next step. And you just keep going up. Sometimes it's like up and down. And once I realize that I have to be present with the pain, with the good days and the bad days, the whole journey became so much easier. The whole process became so much easier. If you guys want to be happier, stop trusting the thoughts you have inside. Your, the thoughts you have inside will affect your environment. If you're in a tiny room or a house, your thoughts are going to be caved in on you. You're not going to have very open thoughts. But think about if you go outside for a walk or you go out into nature. Notice the thoughts you have then. You usually feel much more spacious, that you can think more clearly. This is why taking a walk is so good. Let your eyes relax and your mind relax. So anytime I feel hopeless, I always take a walk. And usually within an hour, I feel significantly better. So try it. It's like one of the best cures for depression. Just walk an hour in nature. Recently, I started tracking my time on a wee timesheet where I log what I do every 15 minutes. And I was amazed at how many like... 30 minute chunks or one hour chunks I am wasting in my day because we all have the 24 hours in the day. We all have the same 24 hours in the day and it's what you do in those 24 hours that matter. So as I was writing down what I was doing, oh, I'm scrolling on my phone for like 30 minutes, like between 1 p.m. for no reason, just because. And I, I was talking to a friend and she was like, one of the things she would change if she could is she never has any time for myself. And I was like, oh, okay, well, why don't you start tracking your time and start seeing where your time goes? And she disagreed with me and was like, no, I'm not a robot. I'm not going to do that. And I was like, okay, fair enough. But you did complain that you have no time for yourself, right? And she's like, well, yeah, but and you would want more time for yourself, right? And she's like, well, yeah. So how can you give yourself more time if you don't know where your time is going? Because if you gain awareness of where your time is going and who you're giving it to, you can decide for yourself, is that worth my time or is that not worth my time? And then you can allocate more time for yourself 
She's like, okay, when you when you put it like that, that makes sense. I was like, exactly. It's not about being insanely efficient and productive. It's just about having awareness of your time so you can choose where you give your time to. Because your time and your attention are your most valuable assets in this life. Also, how many of you enjoy your food and properly chew it? There's a Taoist practice where you it's called one bite at a time. When you're eating, okay, so whenever you're eating your breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever it is, whether you're eating with a fork or a spoon, do not take another bite until the bite in your mouth you have chewed and swallowed. I noticed as I was eating my food, I'd take a bite, chew a few times, and then take another bite with the previous bite still in my mouth and that food not properly chewed. And then I would just swallow. And like, if you chew slowly, it's good for your breathing and digestion and the enzymes, random health benefits as well. But you notice impatience. We are so impatient that we have to just get the food done. Like you wanted that ice cream five minutes ago so badly. And you're eating that ice cream bite by bite. But you just want it in your mouth. You don't even like the taste of the ice cream melting in your mouth. You just want it down your throat. So try it. You'll notice your impatience. It gets easier, but it's amazing how many people don't chew their food. All right, guys, I really enjoyed this episode. Sign up to my weekly newsletter where I show you how you can leave survival mode for good. And stay tuned for next week's episode. All right, take care. Love you guys. Peace.